0: Hi I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 107 of my podcast Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Queen cells have started to pop up in several colonies and last week I touched on the artificial swarm technique. This week I'm going to delve a little more closely at this beekeeping staple. Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm grateful to Honeypour Hives for sponsoring in part our podcast for this season. Honeypoor Hives, as I'm sure you're aware, are poly langstroth hives, and we're setting up an apiary full of their hives this season, courtesy of Honeypour. Check out their range of hives and other equipment on their website, and I'll leave links to all of the websites in the show notes as usual. Honeypore hives, designed by beekeepers for beekeepers. Well, here in Norfolk in the UK, we're fast approaching that time of the season where colony reproduction will either begin or be in full swing. I've already seen several queen cells with eggs and larvae in, and one colony unfortunately got a head start on me and has already swarmed. It can be a tricky time, as we found out last year, and there can be a certain amount of panic as colonies throw up queen cells and beekeepers struggle with how to tackle the situation. Before we get into the details of the so-called artificial swarm method of swarm control, let's just take a look back at last week and update you on how things are going As some of you will know, I inspect on a weekly basis, so at the moment I'm comfortably able to get round all 60 or so colonies and spend time working through them. I really don't know how sole beekeepers manage to get through 150 plus colonies on their own with weekly inspections, but hopefully I'll find that out in the next year or so. We've had about 10% of our colonies throw up queen cells, with the majority now producing rudimentary queen cups, the difference being the rudies, as we call them, don't yet have an egg or larvae in them. The highlight of the week was undoubtedly the church colony removal, quite a nerve-wracking experience for someone who isn't used to being around eight metres up on a scaffolding platform. The cutout was performed on Friday last week. It turned out to be quite a cold morning and the bees were fairly well tucked away in the corner, sheltered from the prevailing easterly wind. It was interesting to see just how sheltered it actually was in the spot that they had chosen. The comb had been built across the corner between a buttress and the main wall and to be honest I could see why they had been able to survive there. With the overhanging brickwork of the roof it really was a very sheltered spot indeed Just to remind everyone, the reason for removing them was at the request of the church who were going to have some repair work performed to the east wall, the end wall of the church, and they wanted the colony removed. They had delayed removal in the hope the colony would die out over winter and not have to pay for any scaffolding. Not a particularly Christian approach I'd say, and they were lucky that I was able to find someone who could provide us with scaffolding free of charge. I say free of charge, I'm actually going to supply Marcus, the owner of EFL Roofing Specialists here in Norfolk, with a nucleus colony free of charge to get him started in beekeeping once we're out of the lockdown. So it's actually costing me money. However, the church is very local to where I grew up and I'm a bit of a soft touch it seems. I have posted pictures and video on the Patreon page of our removal, so do take a look at that if you're interested. As with all these things, preparation is key. I made sure we had plenty of equipment ready for the removal and slightly complicated the whole process by wanting to record a video at the same time, but I think it was worth it in the end. The process basically saw me cut away each piece of comb from the outside and tie the larger pieces into empty brood frames, which were then placed into a polyhive. I chose a 14 by 12 hive as the comb the bees had built was quite long and fitted quite nicely into the frames. We managed to get four frames of comb tied in, and I was hugely relieved to find the queen and get her safely into the hive as well. That's always a major success and is probably the primary task over and above trying to save comb. At least with the queen and the other bees safely in the hive, they can rebuild on foundation if they need to. Once the recovery was complete the hive was lowered to the ground, entrance sealed off of course and taken to its isolation apiary where it will be monitored throughout this season. It was very interesting to see that wax moth had found its way into the comb structure but otherwise everything looked pretty healthy. The site was tidied up, I cleared away all the damaged comb and removed that and I cleaned the wall as best I could but it wouldn't surprise me if another swarm found its way into that corner this season. But I did do my best to leave the site in a tidier condition than when we arrived. My thanks to Marcus at EFL Roofing Specialists here in Norfolk for his help. If you ever need scaffold for building work, they certainly know what they're doing. And as I found out, they're specialists at repairing church roofs, so they knew exactly what to do. I'll put some links in the notes as usual. I'll keep you posted as to how the colony performs over the coming weeks and months and it'll be interesting to see how they develop as a colony in their own right. Back to today's main topic of trying to manage swarming in our honeybee colonies. For most hobbyist beekeepers with just a few colonies one of the most used techniques is called an artificial swarm and it comes in several forms. It's quite an old method and you'll hear people ask if you're using the Pagden method or if you've used the Hedden adaptation. It makes everything seem so complicated for the beginner or novice beekeeper. No wonder I get so many requests to explain more fully how to perform an artificial swarm. It's almost as if the more experienced beekeepers want to make it sound overly complicated to impress beginners with their vast knowledge of the method but honestly it's such a simple method you'll wonder what all the fuss was about. We call it an artificial swarm, but it's not really a swarm. It's a specific colony split, I suppose. As beekeepers, we're not able to fully replicate the makeup of a swarm in terms of the type of bees that would normally make up a swarm. So we do the best we can with the tools that we have. And I really don't want to overcomplicate it, as I've said many beekeepers want to do. In basic swarm control terms, We can describe a colony as containing specific groups or individuals that make up the whole. Firstly, we have the queen. Simple enough, everyone knows you need a queen in a successful colony. Secondly, we have the flying bees. These are the bees that are flying out of the hive to forage for the various resources that a colony needs, such as pollen, nectar and water. Thirdly, we have brood in frames. This is everything from eggs, through brood in all stages to sealed brood. There are of course lots of other parts to a colony but we need to focus on these three individual components for now. The queen, the flying bees and the brood. If we take one of these component parts away from the other two it's quite likely the colony will not or cannot swarm. So for instance if you remove the queen from a colony the flying bees won't have a queen to take with them when they swarm, and so they can't then successfully survive, so they won't swarm. If you remove the flying bees from a colony, the queen then doesn't have any companions to go off with in a swarm, and if you remove all the brood from a colony, it may well seem to the queen and remaining bees that they've already swarmed and so won't feel the need to swarm themselves all of which can be placed under the heading of artificial swarm. I have a PDF download available which I'll post with this podcast on my Patreon page for anyone who prefers to picture the situation and have a memory jogger for future reference. So an artificial swarm is performed under normal circumstances when queen cells are seen in a colony and the beekeeper wants to prevent the main colony from swarming. I described the basics of an artificial swarm last week, but it's worth going over again. Regardless of the name and the various manipulations performed, the basic principles apply. Removing one or more parts of the colony to impact on its ability to then swarm. The thing to remind you is you will need additional equipment to perform this technique. A fresh floor, brood box, crime board and roof. Oh, and of course, frames to go in the brood box. Depending on stores in the super, you might also want to consider having a feeder and syrup available. So in this first example this week, let's assume you're inspecting your colony and you find charged queen cells. These have an egg or young larvae in them. You continue your inspection and find eggs in normal worker cells and the queen. And you make the decision to split the hive into two so this technique requires that you find the queen. Next week, I'll cover what to do if you can't find the queen. Firstly, move the original hive from its current position to somewhere else in the apiary, just a few feet away is fine. Place a new stand, floor and empty brood box in the position of the old hive. You will immediately see flying bees heading to this spot because they are the bees that are returning from foraging. Find a frame in the original hive that has a small amount of brood, but no queen cells, empty cells that the queen can continue to lay in, and a little food. That's just one frame, no more, and place this in the new brood box. Now find the queen. Sometimes easier said than done, but look methodically through the hive, using as little smoke as possible until you find the queen. In this example, we'll assume that you've found the queen take her to the new hive and pop her onto the frame that you've previously selected. If you only have frames with foundation then fill in the remaining gaps in the brood box with these. Drawn comb would be much better but many beginners will not have spare frames of drawn comb, so just use foundation. Close up the new hive by adding queen excluder, supers, chrome board and roof. So that's the new hive dealt with. You have your old queen And all the returning flying bees, all of the foragers, are now going back to this new hive that you've set up on the old hive's position. Now turn your attention to the old hive. Here is where many beginners make fundamental errors because of lack of experience and still suffer swarming colonies. Think back to what I said earlier about splitting one of the three components away from the others. What we've just done is moved the brood and separated the queen and flying bees from the brood. But what we still have is multiple queen cells that need tackling. The population of this now queenless colony will be massively reduced as all the flying bees are returning to the original hive position and the new hive. This makes inspecting frames for queen cells a lot easier. You could leave checking for queen cells for an hour, Go and have a cuppa, and return to complete the task, and you'll have a much easier job of it, because all of those flying bees will have gone back to the new hive. What you're looking to do is find one queen cell that you can keep to use as your new queen. So pick one that looks plump, straight, and has a nice dimpled look to it. It's really difficult to try to explain what a perfect queen cell looks like, and to be honest. I've had some fantastic queens emerge from the most awful looking queen cells, so you can never be sure. There may be several, and you may be tempted to leave more than one, but don't. This has to be one of those beginner mistakes that no matter how hard I tried to persuade them to leave only one, I find they get in touch to say the colony swarmed after they left two queen cells. You know, in case one fails... I find they very rarely fail to emerge, and the first one out, despite what you will read in some books and online, will often swarm with whatever flying bees she can muster in the brood box. Remember, she won't emerge immediately, and so there will inevitably be new flying bees that have orientated to the new position for her to fly off with. I'll say it again for effect, don't leave more than one queen cell. So, You've removed all except one queen cell. Mark the top bar of the frame with the queen cell on it so you know which one it is. You could use a drawing pin, a queen marking pen or simply scratch a cross in it with your hive tool. Now you have to wait but one of the problems beginners find is the colony still swarms even though they've left one queen cell and this is more often caused because as soon as you close the hive down and walk away The bees make new queen cells again and instead of just one queen cell you have several again. One way around this if you have plenty of eggs and young larvae in the old colony is you could go back in a few days after you've followed this procedure and check for more queen cells removing these back down to the one that you've already earmarked. Another option is to remove all queen cells at first inspection and force the colony to remake queen cells. Then when you go back in you can select just one sealed queen cell and remove the rest knowing that the colony will then be hopelessly queenless. Being hopelessly queenless is a state whereby the bees have no young larvae or eggs with which they can make further queen cells. So you have two options. Leave one queen cell and reinspect maybe two or three days later and remove all queen cells except the one that you've chosen. Or Remove all the queen cells initially and inspect a week later and then select one queen cell from those that you find. If you leave one queen cell and reinspect, just remember to check that the queen cell you left is either still sealed or has emerged. Either way be very careful as you inspect so as not to damage the new queen. If she has emerged she'll still be quite small so don't spend time trying to find her just remove any further queen cells and close the colony up again. Now you can leave them for a couple of weeks while she goes off, gets mated, comes back, settles down and starts laying eggs in her own right. Don't forget to inspect your new hive with the original queen in it to make sure that they're okay and not continuing to produce queen cells. They shouldn't but you know what bees are like, they sometimes do. I hope that demystifies the basic artificial swarm method. It's as simple as that. It's really not that tricky as long as you take your time and you have the process in mind. It really can help manage your bees early in the season. Next week, as I mentioned earlier, I'll talk through how to create an artificial swarm when you can't find the queen. Well that's it for this week. Time to get out into the warming sunshine and check some of my own colonies. Have a great beekeeping week, stay safe and please do remember to check out my Patreon page where you can access lots more content. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet.